So uh, I'm going to ask you again, Eddie. How much time do we have? Uh, like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the most uh, the answer to that question is we don't know. Oh, we yeah. don't know how much time we have. Oh yeah, right. Hey guys, welcome to Resiliency Rounds. Our discussion today is going to be about time. To embark on a process of resiliency building, if you don't address time as one of those key components, you're really missing out on a huge part of that. Um, mm -hmm. And so early in our discussions, you enlightened me quite a bit on some of the readings that you had done with a Stoic philosopher in particular, right? Yeah, that's correct. So uh, I'm going to ask you again, Eddie, how much time do we have? Uh, like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the most, uh, the answer to that question is we don't know. Oh, we yeah. don't know how much time we have. Oh, yeah. Right? I heard about a book called On the Shortness of Life by a Roman uh, philosopher named Seneca. And when I read it, it immediately got me thinking about how much time I had wasted and how... I needed to be better. And the, the minute I read this book, I wanted everybody I loved to read this book. And that's why I gave you my copy of <laughs> the book because I wanted you to read it. And here's the beautiful part about it. So you gave me the book because you cared about me. I, that's exactly right. I Which did. I should add, that book scared the hell out of me. <laughs> you know, and that's what I was trying to get to. Of all the people I gave the book to and had them read it, you were the only one who had that same visceral reaction to it. And uh, I thought everybody would have the same reaction to it. And they didn't. Everybody has this individual way of kind of dealing with uh, what they find out. And I think, you know, you and me have gone through this process of introspection and our minds are open and we are okay to, to accept the fact that we have made this mistake. But more than that, we are ready to now change our lives so that we are we are not going to waste any more time. Yeah. There is value in studying the nature of time. That's one thing I would say. A lot of us come to issues of time when we're feeling extremely stressed out and overwhelmed. And I think all of us who are in dealing with that correctly attribute some of that to a sense, a deficiency, a poverty of time. And so we're very interested in understanding how we can uh, manage that better. So there's kind of this macro time management um, question within our hearts many times whenever we're in the depths of something like that. But then there's also practical applications. So there's a micro mm -hmm. question to that too on how you manage your day-to-day -day business. And at the end of this discussion, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the strategies that you and I have discovered that uh, we found very helpful. Yeah. So uh, I liked your statement when you said that, uh, you know, there is there is two aspects to this time management. One is this macro time management. The other right. is a micro time management. Right. If they came to this podcast thinking that we're going to talk about how to be efficient in the clinic setting, that is not what we're talking about. Now, that is important. Don't get me wrong. Um, but we are talking about time in the macro sense. And that's what the shortness of life is also about. It's time in the macro sense. Yes, we will talk about certain techniques that we can use on a day-to-day -day basis to allow for that, to allow for a more enriched life. But I want us to, when we discuss about this, to kind of think about it from that macro perspective because that's where it gets really profound. 
the book uh, didn't speak to me because it told me that I needed to get more efficient in clinic. But before I start, I want to tell you that uh, The Shortness of Life is like 41 pages. That's yes. it. It's a very brief it's book. It's a very brief book. It's just like the namesake. Right. You know, right. it Seneca's is. not going to waste your time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so I encourage uh, everyone to read it. I've personally given gifted this book uh, to people I care and, and love about. And, uh, and and I think everybody should, should read it once. So have a listen to our discussion. Uh, we One of our early conversations was about this book and how... Uh, we interpreted it and how, what meaning we drew from it. And we will circle back around with you as always at the end of this conversation to give you some take home points. And we will actually add some pointers regarding things that we've done in our own life to improve our um, maximization of time. So what were we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to, so we're talking about um, Seneca's on the shortness of life. So then I'll start off with the question I have at the end of reading it, which is the time should be looked at as the really not just the most precious commodity, but really the only commodity that matters. He talks about um, the difference between living a life and just existing And he talks about how many people exist and are engrossed, but they're not actually living because they're not, because essentially they're wasting their time. And so he, so he cautions the reader throughout the book to be very guarded with your time, to look at it. And he uses actually very sort of um, almost desperate language. Like you should, you should scrap for it. Like you should not give up any of your time. And you should be really, really stingy with your time because at the end of the day, when it's at the very end, you, you know, time will keep, but you'll wonder what you did with all your time. So he, he talks about the lament of people who are at the end of their life. Yeah. So then my question is, is how do you know if you're embarking on something that's a waste of your time? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> no pun intended. Right. So, right. No pun intended. Exactly. No pun intended. Right. So. How do, you, how do you become a good steward of your time? To put it in his words, are living a life where you're living a wide life, not just a long life, where you're just like, you're really optimizing your time and not wasting it on things that are frivolous or not really going to contribute to meaning or value. Yeah. So the, I think uh, one of the first things, though, that really uh, caught my attention was, I mean, this book was written, you know, thousand years ago I think mm-hmm. but like he was this is probably what, some 280 or 400 I need, I need to see when he was right. around um, and he's talking about um, people thinking that their lives are too busy and that you know that they're not using their time appropriately and you think about it we think of life right now that it's like extremely busy and you know we have all of these things that distract us away from life like you know the social media and TV and things like that. And you would think that going back, people had all of this time that they could spend, you know, in nature and doing things. But it turns out humans have always struggled with it. I don't think this is a modern age problem. This this way of going through life, getting absorbed in uh, just the day-to-day activities, um, and then eventually lamenting that, oh man, you know, my life just went by and I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a new phenomenon. But I don't think that it's getting any better. That's the sad part of it. Despite all of these technological advantages that we have, 
we still don't feel that we are living for ourselves. That's, it's a decline of civilization. I completely believe it, you know. Mm. We, we should be in a place where we can completely express ourselves as humans rather than do two jobs just to pay the bills. He's not saying that you shouldn't do that to support your family and your kids. You should. But that should be no way to live. We should all humans should be expressing ourselves completely as humans can. You know, liberal education, the arts, um, learning about the nature of life. And what he says is the best way to spend your time is to learn philosophy. That would fill your time. That would give it the width or the breadth or the depth. Uh, as opposed to just this technical education and just busying yourself with day-to-day life. What do you, what do you think about that answer? What do you so, think? I mean, that, that's well taken. So, if I look at this very critically in, in, a, in a scrutinous way, it's, it's sort of the classic example of instead of working to live, you're living to work. And so that just sort of eats up your time and it eats up what your potential, what your purpose is as a human, which is essentially to... Um, have a meaningful life. There's a there's a line I was trying to find it in the book where he was basically saying that uh, people have this sort of uh, almost like satisfactory disdain about the things that trouble them, just because they're the things that are associated with being rich, like well off. Like oh, you know, now I have to host all these people, and oh, but you know that's a that's a good thing because I to have this problem means that you're, that I'm well off. So yeah. even though it's something that's eating up their time and has a, has little value, um, but what I was getting at is that the, the, my critical mind here is thinking: okay, I get his point, but when so that's that's kind of the so when it turns into now actually taking this philosophy out into life has to be expressed, has to be externalized in some way. It has to be practical. Right. And so then how do you how do you externalize what he's talking about? Once you have this idea of, yeah, you, time is the most valuable thing that you have, and maybe at that point it's up to the reader to decide, okay, I have to decide what I want to spend my time on. What do you think? Um, me personally? or Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that book is very personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Um, I think everybody, what I mean by that is everybody who reads it yeah. takes a meaning that is very personal to themselves, very difficult yeah. to kind of, you, uh, you and me both read the book and yeah. we have the exact same ideas. Right. I don't think that's what happens when you read right, it. Right, right. So I agree with him. No, I would say, and, this, and the, then, so I mean, this is kind of my own personal thought process, my reaction, my effective and intellectual reaction, my effective reaction to the book, my emotional reaction to the book is, uh, Oh my God, I agree with this guy and I'm doing exactly what he's saying you're not supposed to do, right. <laughs> which is like, you know, cause I feel like I don't, like I barely keep my head above water in certain weeks, especially after this week. I'm just like, yeah, I don't have that much time for myself. But then the intellectual side reaction to it is, yeah, I get that. But what does a life where I do feel like I have all the time in the world to know myself and to express and develop my own philosophy, what does that life look like? And to me, that's where it gets very fuzzy. And I think maybe in his book, it's that way as well, just because that's the second part of the process, which is, yeah, understanding, you know, what is important, how to make time a centerpiece, a valuable commodity, 
Um, but then where you take it from there, there's not much else he can tell you aside from just understand that. And you have to find a way to make your time, your, your life as full as possible. Um, so that's kind of what I took from it intellectually. So essentially what you're saying is that what you took away from it is that first of all, the, that uh, time is the number one most important commodity. And then uh, once you understand that, then you can then choose how to spend your time. Once you realize how important time is, mm-hmm. then you can be more mindful of how you spend that time. And then maybe at the end of life, you can say, you know, I lived a great life because I, I used my time well. And you can choose what that means as opposed to society choosing it for you. Correct? Right. Okay. So uh, I completely agree with uh, with that first statement. First of all, it is uh, you can, once you realize, that's what I took away from the book, is mm-hmm. how important time is. Once you realize how important it is and the fact that you don't know how much of it you have, right? Then uh, when someone tells you, hey, can I borrow you for a minute? You can actually think about whether that is uh, is something that you want to give to that person a minute, you know? Hey, you know, there's a meeting tomorrow in the morning at 7, you know, it's a staff meeting. And you can decide if you want to spend that one hour in the staff meeting or you want to spend that time doing whatever else. But the question is, what is that whatever else, right? right. Uh, because if you were to ask me and you'd say that, you know, two years, three years ago, you know, hey, Anish, you know, there's going to be a big section meeting once you show up. I would show up. There's no question. Mm-hmm. No question in my mind that I need to show up. Yeah. Right. But now, the question that goes through my mind essentially is, you know, that's one hour of my time. Right now, I manage my time. I'm a steward of my time, and so I'm very reluctant in just going for things that are, that have no outcome. It's very difficult to do because there are certain things that you have to do in life. So, just to answer, just to ask simply. Seneca was very successful when he wrote the book. Uh, And so it's easy for someone when they already have all of this, uh, the the luxuries and all of that to say, hey, you know, be more mindful of your time. Mm -hmm. But folks like you and me who don't have all of this and are kind of making our way there, you know, we cannot go around telling the world, yeah, my time is very precious or, you know then uh, you worry about whether that's the right approach, correct? Yeah. And that's your, that's what, that's the struggle that you're facing too. And I think, uh, you know, way, way I, what I equate this to is, uh, is by, by telling everybody how busy you are. Like, you know, you, you, you call someone and say, hey man, how are you doing? I say, man, I'm busy, I'm busy, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm busy, work's busy, you know, kids are busy, right. I'm, I'm you know, life's busy. Right. That busyness, you know, is something that people wear as a badge of honor. You just, you know, how right. crazy we're just doing this, that, or the right. other. You know, we're, we're going here, going there. There's some social gathering somewhere. You know, work-related stuff. I have a presentation to make. My kids need this, and I need to do groceries. And day in, day out, week after week, month after month, busy, busy, busy. And then a year goes by. And two years go by, a decade goes by, all you've done is just been busy. Yeah. Right? And no one's going to argue doing, your pre- doing the presentations, doing your work, you know, doing the research, doing all the social stuff, getting your kids to their games, um, all that is what life is about. That's modern life. No one's going to fault you being a good parent, you're being a good employee, you're being a good husband, a good, you know, father. Right? But that life, is ultimately meaningless 
because you had no direction life just took you you just time just took you you just went with it you know mm-hmm. it was just a big river that you were just you know kind of flailing around in and like man i'm busy i'm busy i'm busy you make it till your 65 70 or you know even before that when you become an empty nester and suddenly you're like whoa you know what am i going to do with all this free time yeah who's this person that i'm living with you know i don't know this person mm-hmm. you know we just raise some kids and now she has a life i have mine you know and then one day you're sick and within a few months you're gone and you're mm-hmm. looking back to life saying i didn't do anything i didn't accomplish anything yeah. so that is in fact the shortness of life mm-hmm. so what so the way you apply that essentially is that is is you're more mindful of your time i mean if you look at a calendar right now like i didn't bring my phone but if you look at your calendar right now you know my calendar is is you know this meeting on monday this clinic you know and uh this you know kids jujitsu my son's jujitsu and uh and you know something my wife's have a hair appointment or my you know it's just full of these things right um it's a busy calendar right and that's looking in the future looking at the past and saying these are things we need to do this is important to us we need to make sure that it's set in the calendar for every day going into the future right but think about all of those things none of those things are truly enriching Yeah, I need to do them. I need to go to work. I need to take my kid to the class. My wife needs to do whatever she needs to do. It's all in there. But where's the enriching bit? Why have I not chalked out thirty minutes in my calendar for meditation in the morning? Why not? Why why don't I have a dedicated spot, twenty minutes for my ukulele in the evening? You know, where is my thirty minutes of reading with my kids? Why is that not on my calendar? Mm-hmm. And why is that not marked off as busy? I'd rather be busy playing the ukulele or. reading to my kid right. uh rather than being busy in a meeting so if you if we scrub our calendar currently just scrub it completely right and put all the stuff that we want to do 6:30 in the morning like you know spend 30 minutes drinking coffee with my wife just talking about the day planning my day with my wife right uh that 30 minute conversation is probably trump every other conversation you have over the phone with her yeah. while you're driving to work yeah right if you pare it down there both of you make an effort to wake up in the morning before the kids wake up sit drink coffee cuddle and talk right that probably go a long way you see what i mean yeah um 20 minutes of meditation in the morning no matter what you do you get up you know in the morning you know it's in there you meditate work out same thing in the, in your in your workout you can you can put it in there and you make sure you do it yeah and scrub all the other stuff um i think yes that is still not philosophy what he's saying when he says leisure essentially what he's talking about is uh the great conversations stuff that I spoke yeah. reading the books of the guys behind you who came before you like you know Aristotle Plato Socrates going all the way back to Homer reading all those books and then having conversations with those people about your life but he's saying that after he's actually accomplished quite a bit but we can we can do both of those things we can spend time having these great conversations but we can also continue to do the things that are in the present for us looking into the future as you know making us better better humans better husbands better dads better you know all of those things by not getting busy doing the stuff that the world the society wants us to do so that would be an enriched life at least that's my interpretation of it like someone asks me tomorrow hey man what's going on i'm like yeah it's great i'm spending my time i'm i meditated this morning when worked out and i recorded a podcast with my friend <laughs> Just imagine that someone here says like what? Yeah. <laughs> Your vacation on time? As opposed to man I'm busy man busy kids right. busy I'm a kids are busy I'm busy. Yeah. It's hard because 
it, I just like get tired. Like I come back from work and I'm free and exhausted. And um, you know, back before I was a little bit more mindful of how I'm using my time now. It would just be like I just need to like lay down. Like I just need to sit. And then that leads to like me being on my phone, checking my email, and know that. And then, or stressing about something that's coming up. And he talked, and so Seneca talks about that too. Like you could waste a ton of time worried about crap that you've got to get done, and you really didn't actually rest. You didn't actually spend that time. Um, that's so true. But so, but the thing is, you know, even now it's hard to do. Even now, so I catch myself and. You know, I, I try to redirect my efforts, my energy, my, my thinking, but it doesn't always work. You're just like, well, okay. Well. <laughs> but see, the other thing, the way to look at it, essentially, is because we end up saying yes to too many things. Yeah. Like, I have uh, two presentations that I, uh, two conferences that I need to do next week. And so I could have said no to them, and I, I wouldn't be thinking about them. Now I need to I need to go and actually prepare for them and stuff right. like that. And, and I know how important my time is. Like, I, I'd much rather be sitting in you know, spending time with my kids or, yeah. you know, whatever else than doing those two presentations. Yeah. So my, the other thing I'm curious about is like, <clears throat> what would, uh, what would Seneca think about our lives? He'd probably think we're nuts or at least me. Like he'd say, I think Seneca would show up and say, well, you need to go part time and you need to start doing more stuff with your family and you need to start spending time doing the stuff that you were into in high school, which was like artwork and music. That's what you should do. I have, do not have the guts to do that. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? It's a scary thought. But like, if I'm brutally honest with myself, I read Seneca. And so that was the other thing that when I told you that it was kind of scary to read because I'm like, well, if I looked, if I examined my own life purely, you know, no ego, object, you know, just as objectively as possible, I'm I'm off track. Like I'm not doing the right thing. The real reason why we are unable to spend the time the way we want is because we overcommit yeah. to things that are probably meaningless, right? Or don't have as much meaning. Right. So uh, that overcommitment can have many faces. So if you're just talking about your work overcommitment in the work could be just taking up an, a, a role or a position or sh- or signing up to do some presentations that could that could be overcommitment the fact that we chose to do medicine is an overcommitment because it takes so long to get where we got that you've spent all of this time you've just given it away and that was the overcommitment. Nobody ever told you that. Nobody. Everybody says, "Oh, it takes time," but you know. But when you're done, you're gonna get all of this money. And just that statement in itself is so ludicrous. Now, if you think yeah, about it, and we all, you know, did it for all sorts of different reasons. It takes time, but you know, that's you. You don't want to go to a doctor who just went to medical school for you know. You you just you have to kind of see somebody who spent all of this time if you're going to take care of humans you're going to spend all of this time studying and learning you hear all these excuses and all these reasons and you sign up for it thinking that this is this great adventure that you're embarking on the sacrifice that you're making and you have no idea that you're doing it you're young and you have no idea and now when you come to this end of it you still nobody tells you how precious your time is 
and then you end up wasting in other frivolous ways. And we have discussed this before. Mm-hmm. If you are modest in in your living, if you are modest in your uh, in your endeavors, then you have to spend lesser time to kind of keep up with your living in the in in, in the endeavors. If you're modest in your ambition, you you don't have to spend as much time at work. Um, but it's not about it's not about just being modest in your ambition or modest in your living. It's about being very aggressive in the pursuit of time to spend exactly how you want to. And not necessarily being uh, someone who's just like, you know, saying no to everything. You're actually not saying no to everything. You're not saying no to working hard or no to, you know, uh, living a luxurious life. You're actually saying that those things are not as important as personal enrichment, philosophy, um, family, self. You're just making a, a better choice. You will spend, you have limited time, you have only that much time. You spend a lot more of it in the pursuits that matter, less in the pursuits that don't matter. But um, how do we decide what matters or what doesn't matter? We do, we, we've discussed this before. You have to kind of unhinge from society the way it is right now. Mm-hmm. And you have to then turn toward this light, you have to turn toward, you know, philosophy, you know, you have to look at yourself, look inward, introspect, find out who you are, right? Um, and you know, at least you are lucky you have those talents, you have music, you have art. A guy like me, I have no talents, I have to build talents, <laughs> <Your> talents. <laughs> you know, <laughs> none that I, that I want to spend any more time, you know, but what I'm saying is like, I have to build the talent. And that in itself is, you know, time well spent, like in expressing yourself as a human to the full potential um, is, is probably the best endeavor a human can ever, you know, set forth trying to accomplish. As opposed to this, as opposed to just working to so for a salary and spending that salary in, uh, in stuff and then working some more and, buy, and buying some more stuff. Yeah. You know, eventually, then th- that's the shortness of life, and you look back one day and you're like, I have stuff, I have no time. Right. <laughs> right. So, there you have it, guys. Um, so, at this point, let me uh, turn it over to you, Anish. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've incorporated into your own uh, time management processes. I prioritize the things that are important to me. So, um, basically, I insured my time, I got really selfish with my time. My time is my own, personally, mine. And yes, I'm so selfish that I'm thinking about time that I spend with my family is also not my time, unless I choose to. Mm-hmm. I have chalked out time just for myself, right? So this is what I follow. I follow a rule of three. And what a rule of three is that I do three things just for myself, the most selfish things that I would do, right? And I choose what those three things are. Now, those three things for me or meditation, exercise, and one more. That third thing could be reading to my, my son at night or my, my kids at night or whatever else, right? Now, I make sure I do those three things every day. So these are three things that no matter what you're scheduling or what you're doing, you're going to plug this into your schedule. It is part of my calendar. Right. I wake up in the morning earlier than anybody else wakes up and I spend time, I meditate, I make sure that in the evening I work out and I've chalked out time separately for this and I put it in my calendar. That's my rule of three. And you can have a rule of four. You can have a rule of five and put how many in there. As a matter of fact, the more of such things that are in there, the more in the present you're going to be, the more time, the more selfish you are, the more time you've chalked out for yourself. And 
you know, you could have 10 minutes in there for piano or to compose music. I used to put 10 minutes in there every evening for ukulele. And as a matter of fact, I mentioned that in the podcast yeah. and I'm not spending as much time doing it as I would like. That overlaps uh, very nicely with uh, my take on point, which is uh, to schedule your enrichment. Mm-hmm. I think if you talk to most people who are listening to the podcast, they probably have a schedule on their phone or on their computer that orbits around things that they have to get done, but nothing to very little about things that they find personally enriching. And so I think it's very important to go ahead and put on your schedule, I'm going to spend 15 minutes in the morning hanging out with my dog, Mm -hmm. if I find that very important. I'm going to spend two hours on Saturday practicing the ukulele. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you schedule the things that you find enriching with as much vigor and priority and passion as you do the things that are very much having to do with the duties you have to comply with, Mm -hmm. that is one step toward work-life balance. Yeah. Which is going to lead to resiliency building. Yeah. So I just want to uh, read this passage that uh, is from Seneca's uh, book. And this is kind of sums up the book, even though it's in that first page. So here's the passage. It says, the life we receive is not short, but we make it so. Nor do we have any lack of it, but are wasteful of it. Just as great and princely wealth is scattered in a moment when it comes into the hands of a bad owner. While wealth, however limited, if it is entrusted to a good guardian, increases by use, so our life is amply long for him who orders it properly. I think that kind of sums it up. Yeah, it does. Don't forget to uh, look us up and subscribe to our podcast. And leave us an honest five-star rating. (laughs) But really, at this point, any feedback uh, would be greatly appreciated. And as always, um, we will include relevant information in our show notes uh, wherever possible. So we have a Twitter handle. We have a Facebook page. Uh, We also have uh, our uh, Gmail account, uh, resiliencyrounds at gmail.com. Uh, shoot us some questions uh, you know give us some feedback there um, and uh, we'll be happy to get back in touch with you alright guys guys. until next time yeah thank you